That's Rip Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome back to the program Fangraphs lead prospect analyst, Eric Longenhagen. Eric and I detail the recent Fangraphs trip to Cleveland, where we hosted an event for our readership and enjoyed surprisingly fine food and mostly good weather. We discuss the futures game and what Eric looks for in an event like that, as well as which prospects move the most in his estimation after the results of the day, before offering our opinions of the ideal all-star game setup. I also share an embarrassing travel story, which I swear is true, and we review several particularly bad MLB TV commercials. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of one used cassette tape of the song Cleveland Rocks, you can support all the great work at Fangraphs, including Eric and Kylie McDaniel's prospect coverage, the fine analysis of Ben Clemens, Rachel McDaniel's work as the new managing editor of the Hardball Times, and Jason Martinez's twice-weekly roster roundups, featuring the most significant roster moves from around the league. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Eric Longenhagen, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs, which begins right now. Hello, you're back. You're back on Fangraphs Audio. It's true. This is what it. This is what it feels like. <laughs> back in the back in the water. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like the shark from Jaws is dead. Now you feel very comfortable swimming again. Yeah, definitely not imagining it swimming out of the side of a pool towards me or anything like that. Very comfortable. How is it that no one remarks on the fact in any of the sequels to that? Like, it's pretty weird that sharks keep following us around, like, as a family. We have a weird incidence of shark-related horror. Yeah, but that's one of those things that you can't <laughs> talk about because of the like the whole suspension of disbelief thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, why are this? Wow, now this now there's a shark in the Bahamas that's following right us around right. still. We should talk about that shark. Like, what's going on with that one? That one we should probably study instead of trying to kill. I finally saw the Meg like a couple weeks ago before. Uh. You know, yeah. I was just putting something on. Yeah. And I was offended at how <laughs> many times they blatantly stole oh, from yeah. and like referenced Jaws. Yeah. In an unabashed way. Like, how bereft of creativity are we really? It's bad. It's quite bad. I think, um, I mean, as both a, a person who likes shark related, you know, thrillers, likes, uh, <laughs> likes bad movies as a way to like fall asleep and as a person who's named meg i was just out on the meg entirely sure, although too I, close. I yeah i was just i was like it's hitting it's hitting all the wrong spots i do think the fact that that movie was as bad as it was is part of why i did not suffer terrible fates on twitter right. that entire summer right like yeah you know in alton brown references jaws like several dozen times over the history of good eats but like it's not a shark movie right when right i guess it speaks to jaws's level of cultural iconography re- yeah, yeah cultural like, relevance that we just don't it's just like yep of course you know whatever it doesn't matter and it's just sort of bizarre to me is there another movie like that that is just sort of so iconic that like it can just be stolen from and it's just like oh it's an homage to this thing jeez it's hard. It's to, hard. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that there are an abundance of Godfather references, but it is not imitation, right. mostly. Like, even, like, there are a lot of just shameless grifters who among creative types, but even they know not to that. Oh, Dylan, I did a swear. It's so early, but I did it. Sorry. And, uh, like, you know, there's there's ambiance poaching, right? Like, I feel like you and I have talked about how the, the Blade Runner yeah. ambiance kind of permeates other stuff in a way that almost makes that movie feel derivative when you go back and watch it after a while, which is so unfair to Blade Runner. It is really is unfair. Yeah, like you yeah. start up, you start off watching other stuff. Yeah, like that. It's just you know was put out while you were alive, and then you go back and watch, and you're like, oh, I've seen. But yeah, you just have to know like this is where it comes from. Yeah, Kylie would be so mad that we're doing so much movie talk so early because he wants to launch the Fangraphs lifestyle pod, but we're just gonna <laughs> co-opt his territory. I wanna, I do want the the lifestyle whatever pod to be a thing, so I can be like, well, today. <laughs> My lifestyle was <laughs> today pajamas. My, yeah, today in my lifestyle, I was too hot in the desert. Right. Like, I am sweating sitting here. And today, my lifestyle was, like, anxiety. <laughs> like, no, yeah. this is not how it works. Like, no. what did you eat today? It's like, oh, that's uh, right. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> What bath products did you use? Ah, oh, showering. Damn yeah. it. Oh, that's right. Hygiene. <laughs> oh, no. We Each of us just got back from a very warm place, warm in different ways than I think either of us are used to. We just got back from Cleveland. How'd you right. find the city of Cleveland, Eric? It's hard to, to say, right? Because especially a, a city that's on the, you know, in the middle as far as size is concerned, the impact that an event like the All-Star Game has on the vibe where we were yeah. uh, is like outsized, right? So it's hard to know how much of what we experience there is Cleveland itself and how much is uh, what was like brought upon it by the All-Star <laughs> weekend. Because like there were just – there were a lot of people in baseball gear, like a lot of people yeah. walking around who were clearly there to do All-Star stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like I had a nice time. It's like the one or two times a year that I experience humidity anymore. Sure. Uh, like so, one of it was was this, and so that was like weird for my body to interact with. But you know, we we walked around. I I walked from like the hotel to the ballpark and kind of saw the the city a, a couple times, like just by trying to walk any time that we had to go anywhere that was like under a mile. Right. And so I got to experience that way. And it's it's got like the Pittsburgh industrial, like Midwest sort of vibe and spots and some of the like Gothic stone architecture type stuff that I like in Chicago is is visible in Cleveland too. So I overall had a had a good time. You and I had trouble like getting to and fro. Yeah. Just because the the West Coast flights to Cleveland like Ugh. were awkward, like for whatever reason, you and I had struggled yeah. doing it. You had to, you were forced to fly Spirit Airlines, which is like a sign <sighs> that things are not going well when you have to. You're sort of forced to do that. I liked how many people when can, when I said, "Yeah, I flew Spirit," became deeply concerned that David Appleman is like a very bad boss. 
which right, he like is he booked you on it. Yeah, which he is not. Like for the record, I, I think, uh, and I'm not just saying this to you know blow smoke. Like uh, I think we are both of the opinion that David is a, a very good boss, mm. and he was perhaps the most horrified of all when he learned that I had booked myself. I booked myself on Spirit to get to Cleveland. It's just the timing. You know, I'm 33, so I'm I'm not doing red eyes anymore, like just on principle. But it might have been better. Should I tell my Spirit Airline I, story? Yes. <laughs> this is what you Spirit asked this Airline, question. where if you take a deep breath, it costs 30 cents. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, everything. You pay for everything on Spirit. I am about to tell a story on the podcast that uh, if I – if I were hearing this story from a person who I uh, believed to be prone to embellishment, I would not believe this story. So I want to say to our listeners, I understand how this story is about to sound. And I swear on on my life and the life of the people I love the most in the world that it is true. It is a true thing that happened to me. My flight, uh, you will be shocked to learn from, from Seattle to Cleveland, was not direct. I had to connect through Las Vegas. And, you know, on Spirit, you pay, like, you pay to have a seat assignment. You pay to carry on a bag. You pay to check a bag. You pay to have, uh, they, they charge for water. They charge for coffee. I did purchase and eat on a, on a flight a cup of noodles. So that was just a weird, it was a very weird travel day. But on my first flight, which went from Seattle to Las Vegas, I was on an aisle because I prefer the aisle. And I had to pay for it. Damn it. So I bought one and there was a an older couple. I don't know that they were octogenarians. So this is one part of the story where there may be embellishment. We're going to refer to this gentleman as an octogenarian. There are many very nice old people, just like there are many terrible young people. But this was a not awesome older guy whose assigned seat was the middle seat next to me. His wife's seat was a middle seat in the second to last row of the plane. And I had a tight connection. And he wanted to sit next to his wife, although I think he really just wanted to sit in an aisle seat and did not super care where his wife sat. But that's just speculation on my part. And he wanted to switch seats with me, and I had a tight connection, and she sat in the back of the plane. So I said, I'm sorry, sir. No. And I could tell he was very angry about that. And so he turned on his air vent and my air vent, and it was cold. This is my favorite part of the story. (laughs) And so I turned my air vent off. Mine, in the seat that I had to pay extra to be assigned to because life is hell and spirit is a pretend airline that is really just a covered wagon manifesting itself as an airplane. Anyway, so I turned my air vent off because I was cold and he said, you got your aisle seat, what more do you want? And then I realized (laughs) I might be about to have a problem here with this octogenarian I just love that man spreading extended to like this weird never. Yes, before. and also just like very aggressive claiming of both armrests, and he put his legs into to my seat area, leg area. Yeah, he he had a very uh, expansive understanding of the space to which he was entitled. Air vents unnecessarily phallic looking, in my opinion. Like, just make them the yeah. way they look in cars. Right, right. Is it is it so necessary that it be? I guess they're going for precision of uh, airflow. Make it look like a waffle fry, like like the ones in my car. Uh, yeah, yeah. So after he was served three bourbons, 
which, you know, in hindsight was probably a mistake on the part of the flight crew, he asked me in, in a tone of voice that suggested that perhaps, at least this was my initial thought, suggested that he was perhaps aware of the social faux pas of shaming me for wanting to sit in the seat that I had paid for and not wanting to be freezing with the air vent that I was temporarily entitled to, asked me where I was going. And so I told him I was going to Cleveland. I have headphones in, which to people below the age of 50, I think is sort of a universal sign of like, I don't want to talk to you, leave me alone. But I understand is not perhaps a, a signal that is applicable across age groups. So he ignored that. And I told him he, that I was going to Cleveland. And then he proceeded to ask me if I was an exotic dancer. Which I do not say to shame exotic dancers, but do say to wonder... What about the answer, I'm going to Cleveland, inspires an old guy who's a little day drunk. So that means you're a stripper, though? That's what that means? Right, I could see... Right, like, I I have thought about this and just believe that he asked you this question just to miff you. Yeah. And again, like, the idea that that would do that, like, this is a sex-positive podcast. Um, <laughs> so, but like, the idea that... that, that it would do that to you is kind of ridiculous, but I do believe that that was his intent. Yeah. He also yelled cha-ching very loudly as we were beginning our descent into Las Vegas. Uh, and and looked at me in a very confused way when, like, the, the child, we were getting ready to deplane. And there was, like, a little kid uh, behind me who'd been a good sport the whole flight, right? Was a well-behaved small person, which you're not, in, you know, necessarily counting on on flights. And sh she, like, smiled and waved at me. So I smiled and waved at her back because she's, like, a cute kid being a good sport. And he, like, had this very offended look, like, I can't believe that she didn't smile and wave at me after I vaguely insulted her during this two-and-a-half-hour-long flight. So I don't know that I would have, in hindsight, tattled to the flight attendant, because, like, what are they going to do? They're not going to be able to receipt me. It's a full flight. I'm not going to the back of the plane, because I have a tight connection. I'm not going to make an octogenarian sit in the jump seat up front, because then I become the jerk. So I don't know that my my handling of the situation would have been different, but as it was happening, I was just like, I'm going to tell people this story, and every fifth person I tell it to is going to think that I'm making it up. I think that we should just, everyone stop doing the flu shot. Like, let's start weeding these old people out. <laughs> I would like to say that in addition to being sex positive, we are also like pro-vaccine on this podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. But My, my immune system is such that I'm like... Like, for me, you know, like, <laughs> no, I I had my, you know, whatever, tetanus with pertussis update and all that stuff. Like, I take care of that stuff. But uh, <laughs> just as far as, you know, I'm looking around, I'm like, eh, if, if some of these were not here, that'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'd be all right. Yeah, we'd, we'd muscle our way through. But I did get to Cleveland. We all, we all arrived in Cleveland. And we were there. We were there. Well, you and Kylie were going to be there to see the Futures game. Uh, no matter what. And you and Kylie podcasted at, at great length about the Futures game, so we don't have to talk about it too terribly much. I am curious and mostly keen to give you a soapbox to be mad about the format because I was annoyed. The format was kind of funky this year, yeah? Why they do it like that? It's dumb. I don't know why they did it, right? Like, we did – the media gates opened at noon, and, like, we have glossed over Saturday, which we will get back to. Oh, yes. We will um, return to that. 
But uh, but yeah, the media gates opened at noon. They had the uh, the high school home run derby, which had some of the players from like Saturday's high school all star game, which was at Progressive Field, competing in that. So Kylie and I caught the tail end of that. Then they then they did BP and infield starting at two p.m. Then they did like you know the the quick change of the field to do the celebrity softball game, which was excruciating. So and long. It was bad. And I know this is one of those things that just plays better on TV when it's heavily edited. And, uh, you know, there's – because there are just a lot of, like, you know, no offense to Drew Carey, who, like, I admire and who has provided me with, like, countless hours of entertainment through various mediums. But, like, when Drew Carey throws seven straight balls underhand softball, it's like, oh, like, please, someone euthanize me. In, in a format where they do not issue walks. Right. Yeah. You they just don't issue us. Yeah. yeah. It's just Dr. Oz standing there waiting for Drew Carey to give Dr. Oz something that Dr. Oz feels comfortable swinging at in a way that does not embarrass him. Like, Dr. Oz is not expanding to try to put the ball in play. Like, he wants to hit the hell out of a ball as best he can, you know, like because of his own ego. Right. And that, like, applies to most of the people playing in that game because that's why they're on The Bachelor or whatever. Right. But yeah, so they did the celebrity softball game first, and then at what time? I don't even know. What time did the game start? At 7 p.m. eventually? 7 p.m. Right. So we had like a five-hour gap between when BP and infield started and when the game started, and then the game was just designed to go seven innings, but we had a tie and it went eight. Right. And the Futures game is just one of those games for me where it is like a fever dream. Like you just go down within yourself and hyper-focus for two and a half, three hours because that's the only way you're going to get anything out of it because, uh, you know, it's fleeting. Each individual player's moments in the game right. are so brief. So uh, you just have to do that. And so, like, what I remember from the game exists on, you know, on the page here. Like, it's not right. as lucid in my my mind as some of the other moments from the weekend just because like it it exists in this other sort of realm like i have to put this stuff into the spreadsheet uh, well, and type I, thing and i wonder so like for the people i was impressed by how many people stuck around right there were like the ballpark was pretty full for the futures game it was full enough for the celebrity softball game that kylie and i could not get any celebrity swings on the high speed like there just wasn't enough space for us right right there wasn't a place for that you know the like if if you're thinking about like the way that we interact with the futures game is really different than the way that the general public interacts with the futures game and i'm not quite clear on what like major league baseball thinks the general public's takeaway from that media event should be so like that i guess is part of it but like i noticed that there were a lot of people who were pretty well toasted by the time the futures game rolled around cuz they had oh, been yeah. drinking in the sun all day <laughs> Yeah, see, all of that, all of that rolled off, you know, my yeah. my shoulders during the game. Like I have no idea. Yeah, so there was there was some of that. I don't know why. I guess it's just like people being around. I don't know why they don't just play the futures game on the off day, right? Like, why isn't that yesterday? Yeah, 
We are recording this on a Thursday. It's Thursday. I haven't known what day I, it is you since. You were right to, to yeah. ask what day it is. Like I had to check too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why they, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. So like, cause then you wouldn't have to, you could just have it be nine innings. I've learned a lot over the last couple days about how people interact with Prospectum and how it's different than mine. Like I met someone Tuesday who was interested in it because they buy boxes of like Bowman baseball cards in bulk Interesting. to try to, you know, to crack open, you know, Ronald Acuna autograph cards as like an investment, you know, and then like sell them when he explodes. Mm-hmm. And so like that is why that person is interested in prospects. And like most people, it has to be because they're in dynasty leagues. Right. Like if we were to like pie graph why people are interested in prospects, just inherently interested in them because of baseball itself, it's probably a small slice. It's a yeah. small slice. Uh, so yeah, I the people who, who sat around me during the game, I sat by a family of four from Minnesota who have two, they have two young kids and uh, they have a YouTube channel where they crack open baseball card packs. And so like the kid knows about prospects through from that. Right, through baseball cards and stuff. Like, the kid is interested in in it, uh, even though he's, like, nine. And, like, the parents, you know, are interested in – they they were had, like, roots in Wisconsin. So, like, Jared Kelnick and some of the other players sure. from – They're, like, an, uh, there were three players from Wisconsin this year. And so, like, they were all heavily invested in them. And they had met Royce Lewis at Twins Fan Fest. Like, the way they Got came it. to be interested in the game is their own – type of thing right they were subscribing to a very particular kind of patriotism there (laughs) and then to my right were two probably like later high school boys who they're you're you're a boy at that point and Mm. they just they are into fantasy baseball like hardcore and this is like a dynasty league they wanted to see the guys up close sure no but most of the people sitting around me were you know like uttering false just like you know casually saying false things about like the minor leagues and sure you know like once they get to pro ball it's like no you know like right it's pro ball yeah it's pro Uh, ball (laughs) and so uh stuff like that was rampant just like within earshot of me and it makes me think like what what other just life things have i did someone in the moment tell me with confidence that I was just like, oh, okay, and believed. Sure. <laughs> and I've since moved on and just like learned things wrong. <laughs> this is why an entire generation of writers, two spaces after periods. Yeah. That's why. Because we all had English teachers who taught us that that was a grammar rule and right. not an artifact of technology that doesn't get used anymore, right? And typefaces that aren't prevalent and certainly not, you know – web publishing tools that just freaking space it for you. So yeah, I mean, the number of people who I have to fix that for when they're getting going. It's like, no, this is not a grammar rule. This is not like uh, when you use periods versus commas. This is just uh, people who grew up writing on typewriters, teaching a generation of word processors the wrong thing. You and I have not talked about this how do you feel about the all-star festivities in general? Like, what do you think the all-star game should be used as? Sure. So I, well, let's see. This year I saw, this was the first time I've been sort of all-star adjacent because the whole Fangrass crew, like, got out of town on Monday. So we were not there for 
the Derby live or the all-star game. Although I imagine that next year when it's in a spot that's a little easier to travel to, that might change. But I really love this version of the Derby. They had live ESPN on my flight home. So I got to catch a not small portion of it. And it's just, uh, it's great. I think that there should be a concerted effort to have as young sort of delegation as they did this year. Like, I, you know, I'm on my flight and I wanted to like poke the people next to me and be like, look, this is like, this is the Vlad. Like, this is what it is. This is why it's cool. Like, look at him do that like a bunch of times in a row. Right. So I think it should, like, I don't have huge objections to the All-Star game. Like, I watched the All-Star game. I watched the whole game. I think that as long as it doesn't matter, you know, making the shift back to just being a thing we all watch instead of it determining something that actually matters in the World Series, like, I don't know, as an exhibition, like, I think it's kind of (laughs) great. Who do you vote in, the the established star who's having a mediocre year or the nobody whose first half was incredible? Who do you think belongs in the All-Star game? I think the ideal mix is candidly both. Like, I know that people, uh, and I just admire people's ability to get exercised about anything, really. <laughs> but this in particular. The Little Mermaid is white. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the mix is good. Like you want it to be both a glimpse into the best and sort of most established guys who folks know. And you also want there to be a, you know, sort of a forward looking, here's who you're going to know for the next 10 years. So like this would not happen because he's a freak of nature. But like if Mike Trout had a weirdly down first half one year, like he should still go to the all-star game. Right? Like, there shouldn't be an all-star game without Mike Trout for the foreseeable future. It's a bummer that Fernando Tatis Jr. was not an all-star this year. Like, that, you know, that does something for baseball, not just in San Diego, although really for baseball in San Diego, but for, like, people being like, who should I care about? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. who should be the guy who I'm excited to see when that team rolls through my city and I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go see the Padres or, you know, another team? Right? Like... You should, we should help to anchor people's understanding of the game. And that's like one of the times that it's easiest to do that. It's then in the postseason. And we have a lot more control over who's in the all star game than we do who's in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that as long as you don't have like really crazy snubs, there should be some control process that makes it look like it has some semblance of, you know, method and whatnot because this stuff does matter a lot to the players Mm -hmm. i think we're overly dismissive of the all-star game as a thing that doesn't matter and it's like it matters to guys if they're an all-star right so this is my next question for you and like let me just say that i like when the journeyman type player has the big year and is in the game i just love that feeling of Oh, that's right. Gary Matthews Jr. was an all-star. And I was like, I'd love that. Or like the guy who is aging but manages to like run off a couple of good weeks in a row and you're just excited to see him. Like I was super bummed that Hunter Pence was hurt because like it was cool that he was an all-star. Like he wasn't guaranteed a job in November, you know, and he he was an all-star and like deserved to be there. That's that's rad. Like that's really cool. Yep. Hey, and if if he listens to this podcast, then Hunter Pence, if you want to join my Magic the Gathering play group in Arizona while you're here, that you can, <laughs> uh, you can do that. Um, <laughs> I, he plays. Nothing about that surprises me. That yeah. feels very spot on. <laughs> do you think 
I suppose this applies to the Futures game, too. Like, there has been more discourse and attention put on, like, the way players go about playing, like, playing with joy and, and verve. Like, the Brian McCann stoics of the world versus the – and not, like, versus literally, but right. just, like, contrasted by the Javier Baez, like, style. And we've seen, uh, like, baseball leaning into that type of – stuff too where they're just like like let's highlight the way some of these young guys play right but do you think there's a common trait that ran through the all-stars and the futures game representatives related to how seriously they went about their business during all-star weekend or do Um, you like so to me they all appeared to give a like they there was not a lot of casual uh, lackadaisical stuff going on. Like everybody there is like on, in my opinion, the competitive end of the spectrum. Right. There's there are varying levels of boisterousness. Sure. But none of them are like, yeah, whatever. I'm really talented, and but that's and that's why I'm good. Like all of the all stars for the most part seemed like Peter Alonso seemed very intense leading yeah. up to his home run derby. Like, and I think you could kind of see him over swinging in that first round. Like some of the, some of them, Mackenzie Gore was clearly like jittery uncharacteristically Yeah. during the futures game. Like these are hyper competitive people. I, I almost think it's like a requirement to be this good is like, it just has to be part of it. Like you just can't half ass it. Yeah. I, be this good. I think that there is a, yeah, it's it's not just it was clear watching it that it is not just I would like to avoid embarrassment. Right? Because like, you know, gosh, uh like Carlos Santana didn't have a great derby. Right. Yeah. He didn't have a great derby, but like it wasn't for lack of trying, right? Like everyone who was participating in that seemed into it, and I think that you like the coolest part of the All-Star game that entire game for me was when they subjected poor Francisco Lindor to the booth and had him mic'd up. And like, you know, he is so charming and affable and he, you know, he has to be like an interviewer's dream because he gives you so much just seeming to want to like kind of help you out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like John Buck was asking some goofy questions and Smoltz was asking some goofy questions and, and you know, Frankie was just like having a good time. But is all was also simultaneously, you know, telling Matt Chapman where to stand, right? And moving guys around and doing baseball stuff. And so to see, like, we have talked about this before. Like, it is an insane thing that we ask of them. Mm-hmm. It is a crazy, the fact that anyone ever gets a hit is nuts. And the fact that anyone ever strikes anyone out is nuts. It's just a, it's just an insanely difficult thing. Like, the fact that people boo baseball players is the wildest bit of overconfidence I think we witness in public on a regular basis, apart from the old guy on my flight, (laughs) apart from that guy. So to watch these guys be able to, you know, be normal people who are charming and affable and are going to tell you about like what they wore on the red carpet or whatever other garbage, you know, they asked Charlie Blackman, like, how long do you think you're going to keep playing baseball? And I'm like, why would you ask him that? (laughs) What are we doing? But it's, you know, they're still like going about their business doing this insane and hard thing that we ask of them. So I think that 
it strikes the right balance, at least right now, of being able to see like that they do take joy in the thing that they're doing and they are affable and charming and, you know, it's cool to have them mic'd up. I mean, I'm sure they're strategic about who they do that with, right? Like there's probably a reason that Brian McCann isn't the guy that they go to for that. But, you know, they can be those things and also the entire time that Lindor is talking to the booth, he is conscious of where exactly on the field Chapman is, what the sign is coming in, like where he should be. I don't know. It's just, it, I, I think that it gives an opportunity not only to showcase like how fun these guys are, but also like how hard their job is and how good they are at it. Right? Like, right. Yelich, cool. like yeah, the Yelich and Bellinger mic'd up situation I thought was like it was below average like the, yeah the, that was weird the yeah. Houston the Houston team oh my god mic'd up were hilarious and they were was, great they were great they were great uh, and then yeah Lindor himself people will see you know where I ended up you know yeah. I took he I took Lindor in the franchise player draft yeah but yeah like I just think he's an incredible like human being right like the Baker Mayfield type like Oh, you make people laugh, and you're also an elite talent. Like, right. You know, we want to be around you, and you know, please lead us there. Type, yeah. type of person. I don't know. Did you have anything else from the All Star Game itself? I remain impressed by Max Muncy's ability to like play second base. Yeah, yeah. He had he had a a good little fun moment in the field. Impressed with that. Yeah that that <laughs> moment was. Like I think there are definitely second basemen who make that play standing yeah. up. Yeah. For for me it's his ability to like turn the ball around at the right. bag on like a on a double play. It's like, oh, this guy's hands and actions are are yeah. pretty good around the bag. Yeah. So yeah, I think watching him do that is is kinda I always enjoy I mean like it's not enough to tell us anything at all, but it's like watching these like super elite pitchers throwing to catchers who they don't know mm-hmm. is always kind of fun because you're just I don't know. That interaction is interesting to me. And so watching them be like, oh, do I know how – I don't quite know how this breaking ball goes. <laughs> I haven't right. caught this before, right? I've never caught Jose Barrios's breaking ball right. for, oh. before. As an aside, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was that was quite fun. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, his wow. Stuff is, his stuff is amazing. Yeah. That was great. You know, and then there are moments that just like play to – an existing understanding of a player, but in a way that is kind of fun to reflect on. Like, you know, Joey Gallo hitting a home run. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Goes very far. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think now that it doesn't matter, it gives you room to enjoy it in a way that is, is pretty great. And I think they've, they've really figured out the format on the Derby. I think yes. that if, I don't know that there's a way to, over-engineer this and make it as exciting, but having... I didn't get to see this part just because of when, like, deplaning and landing and stuff worked out, but, you know, those sort of swing-offs in the Derby seem great. We should figure out a way to do that every year. But yeah, it was... It was fun. I was impressed by. I'd never been to Progressive before. That's a. Oh, yeah. That's a nice ballpark. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was nice. I got to you know be there a couple times because the high school all star game on because of the high school all star game on Saturday and it was so empty during that event that you sure. just kind of had free reign over the ballpark itself. And yeah, it was it was pretty nice and it was interesting to see 
over the few days I was there, and also it seemed to be clear during the Derby and the All-Star game itself, like, the way the wind in that ballpark interacts with balls in play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I had a good time at the at the field. Yeah. And, you know, got – it was just a bonus that I got the extra look on Saturday uh, at the high school players before the, the before the meetup and stuff. Was there was, anyone who jumped out at you on that Saturday? You had seen some of these guys before, right? Yeah, I think – all but uh, a handful of them I I have seen before. But yeah, like Ed Howard is a shortstop from, uh, I think I want to say Georgia, but I'm probably getting that wrong, who like just through extended looks, it's like, oh, okay, like this guy's moving up in our estimation. Yeah. Jordan Walker uh, is like a shortstop third base, probably third base long-term type from Kylie's area of Atlanta, like Atlanta and Marietta, who I think like has a chance to really explode. Like the body and the actions and the barrel control is pretty sneaky. Like could be one of the top high school bats by next June, uh, depending on how things go physically for him over the next like nine months. Mm. Like Dayton Moore's son, Robert continues to grow on me just over time. Like it's, you know, speedy, well, I guess he's like a five runner, like a uh, middle infielder with plus actions and arm strength, like definitely a shortstop who takes good at bats and, you know, has an athletic swing that maybe there's a little bit more power than you'd expect because he's like five, eight, like, you know, guys like that, guys who take multiple looks to, to grow on you and sure. aren't like the first time you see them take BP in the field, you're like, oh, duh, like this guy's good. Robert Moore, who like is that. committed to Arkansas. Yeah. I yeah. Looking, looking at the board to find that. There you go. Yeah, Shawnee Mission East High School in Kansas, which is like the athletic factory in that state, is like the Shawnee Mission schools. And I think Sestouli has like a weird knowledge of the other people, non-sports people who have come out of those schools. <laughs> For whatever reason, he was interested this one day and was like, did you know Paul Rudd's from there? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Saturday was good. What did you think of the the Saturday night, like the panel? It was the first time. Oh. It was the first time that we had done that sort of in quite thing a while at Fangraphs in like a, yeah in a while yeah certainly the first time that you and I had participated in in one of those we did an event it was nice to do an event in a place where people who wanted to drink beer could drink beer but people who wanted to drink cocktails could drink cocktails it's just nice to give people a variety raise uh, his hand <laughs> I thought the event was great. You know, we certainly appreciate people coming out. I I think that, like, trips like this always just drive home for me. I was talking, as I was confirming my effectively wild recording schedule for this weekend next with uh, Sam Miller, because we're doing a little bit of switcheroo on some things. You know, like, selfishly, I just really love and appreciate industry events like this because, and I don't know if you have this experience in your non-baseball life, though I suspect you do, you know... I often find myself chatting with friends who like things that aren't baseball and find I can feel them getting bored with me talking about baseball. Yeah. I can I can feel it. I can feel them being like, okay, we can talk about a different thing if we wanted to do that. And I'm like, but I would prefer to not do that. I would like to keep talking about this. So I'm always appreciative of, of industry events where I get to like see my baseball pals who I haven't seen in a while. And be like, you are not exhausted by me. 
in, right. the, way, it's, in the way that other people in my life are. It's the – and I forget who – which of the two of them described it, but there's like a story of Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld like making eye contact at a party that the two of them didn't realize the other was at and like going up to one another and like embracing like, oh, thank right. God, I found right. one of my people. Right. And yeah, it is that way and yeah, and sometimes there are times when – uh, the opposite is true when there are people who just want to come up to me and talk about baseball, and at that moment, it's just like, no, <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, but more often than not, it is the type of thing like I just can't stop caring about it. It's like, oh, I, I punch out for the day, and uh, what is there a West Coast game on? Great. Right. I mean, I had this experience yesterday where there's there is no Major League Baseball. It is the one day in the you know, the season calendar where you don't have it. And I ended up watching the Atlantic League All-Star game on YouTube. <laughs> so did they start to implement the new rule changes there? Did you see any of them in action during the All-Star game? They they did the auto zone. Okay. And any problems? They had one very late, like, called strike three. And by very late, I, I mean, I think it took like 10, 15 seconds for it to get relayed. And the crowd booed, like they were mad, and the batter was mad. People were mad that it took that long, and you were like, "Well, this is why this is potentially a problem um, at the major league level because this kind of delay, you know, like what happened during that amount of time? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. People just stood there waiting for it to decide if it was a ball or a like strike. the batter was. And now I have to like go back and watch it again because there were a couple of times where I, you know, I maybe looked away for a second, but you know, they were, I can't remember if the batter was preparing to, I'm trying to find this quickly on Twitter so that I can actually render like an accurate description of what went on here. Okay. So I have found it. This is, this is great. Like he thought that he had another strike in the at bat. He took the pitch and was like, okay, now I'm going to go again. The ump called him out, and it was just the batter looks at him like, what is what is going on here? You know, he's kicking the dirt, like preparing to get back in his stance. And he walked off the field and didn't cause too much of a problem, although you can kind of see him, you know, squawking at the guy. But on the broadcast, you could hear the entire ballpark booing this poor umpire. It's not his fault that there was some weird delay or whatever. But it did, it did sort of drive home. You're like, I don't know if this is going to work as it is currently constituted. Because can you imagine a ballpark of 40,000 people in a game that matters? And you get... <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah. And you get called strike three in, I don't know, the division series. And then you have a mad... You have... Everyone's mad. Everyone is mad. Right? Like, it's just a... It's a potential disaster. So... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. There was the machine. Kill it. <laughs> well, and who are you gonna boo? You're gonna boo the poor the poor home plate umpire who's just waiting. He's just there waiting. I do wonder if there would in that moment how how many seconds would have to elapse between because I assume that they have like an earpiece in that says ball or strike, right? And then they if it's strike three, they signal that the guy is out. How many seconds would have to elapse for you before you had gotten a call, before you would say, F*** it, I'm an umpire. I know if that was a ball or a strike. I'm just going to call it. Oh, that's right. Like, you'd have someone go rogue. Right. Like, are we going to – I 
I want it with everything I have. <laughs> Give yeah. me all the weird stuff. Yeah. You, could you imagine how – what would the procedure be for when right. someone does that? Do you have to go back? back? You have to say, hey, for the last eight pitches before one of us could run down here, the umpire has just been doing his own thing. Like yeah. he just decided, no, I'm – I'm doing it. I'm I'm standing up for my eyes. Right. Oh man, it would be so bizarre. It would be so strange. I mean, I had this experience when I was watching. Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but for our listeners who did not watch the College World Series, a lot of the umpires were wearing GoPros, mm-hmm. and I wondered watching them if you know if that vantage were regularly accessible to average fans. If there would be a greater sympathy for how difficult that job is, because I think we read umpires as cops, and like that's why it's like a antagonistic relationship, and that's fair, because they're there to be a bummer and tell you that your good time is spoiled. But they generally do, at least from a ball and strike perspective, on average, they do a really good job with a hard yeah, thing. Yeah, it's incredible. Like it's the incredible. the fact that the hit rate is what it is is amazing. It's like. It's as impressive, almost, as, like, being able to, like, you know, dot the corner. Like, it's it's an incredible, almost athletic achievement, right? And it's really hard. So I wonder if people knew, like, how much difficulty there is in that assignment, if they would be more sympathetic. But I, I think that generally it doesn't matter to the average fan because nope. – We've all had the experience of being at the ballpark and you're sitting in a place where you have no idea what the zone is. You cannot tell. You, can, you can't see up or down and you definitely can't see inside, outside. You can't see corners, nothing. And it doesn't matter. If it goes against your team, you just boo. You just boo. Yeah. An example of how difficult it is and how at the lowest levels of the minor leagues, the umpires are worse. Yeah. And they're like, you know, there's like little children. Like they don't... There are some of them who I see in the AZL, and it's like, oh, you've never shaved. Like, you've never had to shave your face in your whole life. <laughs> and so I was at a game just before I flew to, to Cleveland. It was like the night before. I was at the A's complex in Mesa, and they were playing the Padres. 19 or 20-year-old righty named Ishmael Aquino comes in for Oakland. And so I have, like, video of this, and maybe I'll find a way to, to post this. But he throws a curveball. That it's like a two-plane curveball that breaks away from a right-handed hitter who does not swing. And the ball is not received well. Like the catcher falls away from and out of the strike zone as he receives the ball. And the, the hitter swings and misses. And then the hitter turns around and asks the umpire if it was a strike. And the umpire's body language is so – it is so instantly clear to me that the umpire did not – no. Yeah. And so he kind of takes a beat and is kind of like, yeah, yeah, it was a strike. And I'm, I have this video on. I'm sitting with the scout, like in my house, like we're watching it. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, here, look at this 19 year old. Cause like the scout has to watch 19 year olds for the draft. So like this is a 19 year old in pro ball, uh, like who throws 94, 97. Like look at what this looks like. What, you know, right. it's just instructive for him. And, we're like, do you think that was a strike? And we both said no. And so then we watch it again. And I put my mouse cursor where the baseball crosses the plate. Right. Like you can't see the plate at that 
exact moment because of the catcher and the umpire. And I just leave the cursor there and hit the my space bar so the video plays. And the next moment that you can see the plate, like it is not only clearly a strike over the plate, but like it is comfortably – like it's comfortably a strike. Right. And even with my video angle, which is excellent, by the way (laughs) – like you just can't, you just couldn't tell, right? So uh, it is impossibly hard, and yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to do it when like Jake Degrom is throwing ninety-four mile an hour sliders, right? Like you know, there's the impossibility of the thing, and then there is the impossibility of the thing with major league velocity, and then there's the impossibility of the thing with like major league break. And you're just like, how does anyone do this in a remotely reasonable way? Like, the fact that the sport exists at all is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder – I had not considered the possibility of, like, of a revolt against the track man (laughs) at, like, Philly. Like, do you remember Hitchbot? Yes. Hitchbot. People Google Hitchbot and, like, look at what people in Philadelphia did to this (laughs) – this hitchhiking robot that was just like someone built it and was like, let's, <laughs> let's, we'll study human compassion. And, you know, this bot, we'll see if we can, I don't know, was their goal to have it hitchhike around the globe once, like to traverse right. the globe one time. And it had done pretty well. Like in Germany, people <laughs> drove it around and, and took it like in the Netherlands and all these places. And then it, they tried to get it to go from Boston to San Francisco. <laughs> and it got to Philly, and people were like, nah, nah. that. And they <laughs> they decapitated it. <laughs> and I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now, and it just – right after it says, you know, the robot had been stripped and decapitated in Philadelphia, the head was never found. <laughs> I can't remember. So someone has it. Right. Someone – some guy – I'm going to make an assumption that we both assume to be correct. It's sitting on their mantle. Right, and they tell their guys about it when they come over. Like, that's – I can't remember if it was you or Bauman that sent that to me, but I was like, as a person who went to college outside of Philly, everything about this tracks. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's a wild place. So all of that to say, we're going to be so mean to umpires. I just want to – I want people to to point at the track man's unit. And yeah, go. yeah. And then eventually when it becomes sentient, it will like fire a laser at you. <laughs> Very nervous about us all accidentally like creating the Terminator. We keep doing it. We didn't learn anything from those movies. We watched them for so many years and we're like, nah, this will be fine. That's an interesting thing to discuss too is I sent you the link to this article where – Oh, my God. Why are like, we doing this? <laughs> we'll, well, because we can, we can talk about it in relationship oh, to baseball and no, people no, think it's fine. Not why are you and I talking about it. Why are we as human beings <laughs> instructing AI this way? <laughs> we should definitely talk about it as a way of warning. Well, this – now I should grab my phone to pull up the link I sent you, but I don't know where it is. But uh, but yeah, so like people use machine learning and they fed it like old research – like scientific research papers so that the machine learning could kind of use that to find where we had just missed stuff that right. you know these combination of findings would have told us if like someone had – seen it you know like you can't recognize a pattern or something to be true like if you never see it and you can't expect someone who's doing research on a thing to like come across stuff that is accidentally relevant to what they're trying to 
figure out. Right. And so like machine learning just kind of filled in all these scientific gaps that we as people had missed for the last, I don't know how, how long. And like, but it didn't take it very long. No. And so there's that. And then someone created an app for your phone that helps you steal signs right. on the baseball field using machine learning. Where this is, um, like you can plug in, you have to teach it, right? Like for the same reason that the TrackMan unit thought that, uh, Grayson Rodriguez's screwball changeup was a slider in the, in the futures game is like, it has to be told right. initially. Like this is part of the, the thing that people try to like comfort, you know, people like you and I about <laughs> machine learning is like, no, like you still have to you teach have to it how teach to do this stuff. stuff. Right. right. So, but I'm like, you keep teaching it stuff. Right. Yeah. You keep teaching it things. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you'll teach it how to learn on its own. But, right. um, what are we doing? <laughs> but yeah. So this app is like, you have to plug in, you have to give it prompts. You have to say the third base coach touched his nose and then his scrotum and then his belt <laughs> buckle and his ear. And like, you have to give it the sequence and then tell it what happened. And then it will piece together. You know, then you can tell it what the coach did, and then it will tell you what the sign is for. And so, I mean, this is not new. In my opinion, this is not new because of like what the Astros cheating, you know, the Astros right. cheating scandal from last playoffs. It is my opinion that this is, they were doing a better version of this with a, a phone that had the capability of doing this in real time on its own. Right. Uh, a brand of phone that is now like banned in our country, uh, because the government fears espionage because this phone is so incredible and can do like real time visual recognition and then like funnel it into onboard machine learning which is incredible and like if it helps us solve world hunger like could you imagine if all the food that we threw out here if like machine learning can be like no here's the logistics of how to get it you to can the place send, it needs to be right. right you can send this food to these countries where people are starving to death instead of you know throwing out whatever golden corral does you know <laughs> Whatever their dumpster looks like is just like, no, this is, we can do better than this. Right. Like and that, that will be great. That, I w that I'm on board with. But what I think is probably happening is that AJ Hinch is like sending us a series of very sophisticated eye blinks as Morse code to say that the machines have taken over. Right. <laughs> and he needs help. Don't right. Worry about uh, it. Yeah. Did you know that Don Kelly is the first base coach for the Astros? No. I did not know that. I just learned a thing live on air. Can I tell a funny story about Don Kelly that is yeah. not actually about Don Kelly? So one yeah. of my very dear friends from grad school, Thomas, while I was in Wisconsin, he and his then fiance, now wife, Anne, got married and they had a lovely wedding and it was super fun. And then like all the old people went to bed and all the young people went out to a bar because it's Wisconsin and you're not allowed to stop drinking ever. It is against <laughs> the law. And my friend Thomas is a Tigers fan. And to this going out function, granted at a bar, but a going out function officially associated with his wedding, he was wearing a t-shirt that had a pocket, an unnecessary pocket, candidly, but a pocket that was just Don Kelly's face, like a little breast pocket where you would put a handkerchief, except it was a t-shirt. Okay. And it remains one of my favorite things because guys like Don Kelly inspire weird affection in the fan bases that they play for. Uh, even when they're like, eh, just okay. Um, so that's my Don Kelly story. And now he works for the Astros. So, so good job, Don. How long has yeah, he been working for Yeah, it's a good place them? to be. I, yeah. 
maybe. Yeah, <laughs> except <laughs> like I guess it's like it, it's mixed, right? Because it's like, oh, this place is brilliant, and also, oh, there's a lot of turnover here. And I'm being held hostage by a machine. Also that. <laughs> <laughs> when did he? Well, so it's a recent thing. The Astros are going to have to win another World Series for Don Kelly to get a ring because this is a a recent change. He was a scout for the Tigers for a while, and then he moved over to oh. Houston to be the first base coach. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, learning a thing. First base coaches are the most underappreciated of the base coaches, right? Because oh, yeah. they don't have to make the send you home or not call. Right. I don't know. I think the idea of the base coach is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like when you really think about it, it's like, no, there's just someone standing there to tell you what to do. What to do? Like, why? That's the thing that, like, what were the repercussions if we were to just get rid of them? That there are more, like, base running instincts and competency on your own becomes more important? Like, I don't know. Right. I think that might be kind of interesting if we were just, like, to get rid of them. And you have more guys thrown out at home, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's more exciting. Right. It's more exciting. I mean, it's probably irritating if there's a team that has a, a particularly bad year in that regard, but it's more exciting. Gary Pettis, who is the third base coach for the Astros, is the father of uh, Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis? Yeah, the receiver. Yeah, he he was a favorite. You dub, right? Yeah, Washington. Now he plays for the 49ers, so that's a thing that happened. But um, I don't know. <laughs> you dub uh, NFL draft trivia. Yeah, here we are. It's like a, a weirdly deep um, part of my NFL draft trivia. Just like teams that wear purple. <laughs> It's a good color. We should use it more. I don't understand why we don't. It just doesn't. It doesn't combo up with other, with many other colors. I think. I think that's where your problem is. It's yeah. like okay, so purple and it's like well, yellow or gold, and okay, yeah. fine. What else you got? Uh, like teal. It's nineteen ninety seven. So teal sure. and purple. Sure. Okay. Like what else can we? Like you just can't blue and like five other things go together. Right. Right. Purple is just like you know. Right. Plus then when you do when you do a strange strange within the context of professional sports I should say a different color then once you get into the holiday weirdness you end up with bad stuff like uh you know the A's look terrible bad. during the 4th. Yeah, they, bad. They, it just looks bad, which isn't their fault cuz their uniforms look great the rest of the time but you know you mix in the the Kelly green and yellow with the Red, white, and blue, and it just isn't – it's not great. You're inching dangerously close to me just like ranting about pandering and <laughs> fake patriotism and uh, – It is uh, – those flags are sure big. The flags are big. The hats are really expensive. How like, many – how many um... – I love America. I bought this $35 hat. <laughs> no. <laughs> How many uh, national anthems did you listen to over the course of your time in Cleveland? Four. Four. I think it was four. Did they do one before PDP? Yeah, of course. Hmm. They did one. And then I saw. I listened to someone warm up too. Like I oh, saw it was sure. four. It was the practice. I got, I got a practice anthem in there one in one time. Oh man! At least they were singing real, you know, real and live. Sometimes they do the recording, and it's especially silly. Yeah, the the applause. This is what happens most often at at like college games, and sometimes at minor league games, where they play you know a recording of the national anthem, and then everyone claps, and it's like no one 
Like, I totally, if you sing the national anthem, like, I will, yeah. even if you do a lousy job, I'll clap like, for I will you. clap for you. Like, you yeah. are performing. It takes a lot of guts to, to sing, like, on your own in front of a couple thousand people. But, like, if it's a recording of a thing, like, what are we doing? Doing. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I felt nervous moderating two panels where I had to say very little in front of 70 people who were Did mostly you? drunk. I don't know. I said some. But I didn't say a lot, you know, and it was uh, people were there to have a good time. I was we- like I was wearing jeans. It was casual. <laughs> we presented Kylie with a gift bag full of protein bars for his birthday. Like this was not a serious kind of event. And I felt nervous a little bit and I didn't have to sing. And that's a hard song. Like it is designed yeah, to make hard. people look bad. Yeah. Forgetting the lyrics is the thing that I'd be like, oh, nope, nope, I'm going to pass. There were times when I worked for the Iron Pigs when it would be like, the anthem singer's not here. And it'd be like 6.55. And it would just be like, who's going to do it? Like, just looking around and someone <laughs> would. And I never, and I never was like, I'll do it. Like, I was just like, nope. Nope. I won't remember the words. I can sing it. I can sing it, like, in the shower and be fine. But, like, this, just the pressure of the moment, I would be like, uh, far ram farts <laughs> yeah it's not it's not great i think i know i mean i know the lyrics to the national anthem i'm a terrible singer so that would be bad but um you know it's like uh i don't know i think that other when you watch people on the olympics it seems like our hit rate is pretty low compared to other countries in my very unscientific study like you watch the opening rounds of the the recent world cup and like the women from france knew Lamar says they knew that song. And sometimes you were like, well, maybe I would just stand there stoically and hope that that passes as something, you know, meaningful, thoughtful. Who's to say? Preparing your your mind for the game and being like, okay, so as soon as someone breathes on me wrong, I'm going to convulse like this on the field. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's much more prevalent in the men's game. Yeah. The, like, the little oh, slice yeah. of soccer that I expose myself to. And I know it's somewhat hypocritical as someone who enjoys the NBA. Sure. But just the writhing. The writhing. Uh, i just like, all right, you know, you get it. It's not you your know. sport. No, it's not my sport. No. It's okay if it's your sport. Not you, but like yeah. – I mean, It's not my sport either, but, you know. It's fine. I uh, I live in Seattle, so even if I were not already naturally inclined to like Megan Rapinoe, I think I am like legally obligated to like Megan Rapinoe. So it works out okay because my natural inclination is – Lining up with my civic duty there, but we're happy they won. It's just not our favorite sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else from the Futures game you want to tell the listeners of Fangraph's audio that they can't get on the hour and a half long podcast you did with Kylie? <laughs> That's a good. Oh, I want to say thanks to Derek Core and his brother. There was a point where Kylie and I were just like, we're not going to have the space slash bandwidth to do all the video stuff we want to do. And Derek, who has been – who, like, consumes all, you know, prospect stuff across the board and, like, has – you know, he's, like, the random reader who, when he is in Arizona, will, like, show up at the backfield. And it's like, oh, hey, Derek. Like, yeah. hey, you know, he's one of those people where he's uses his free time to see minor league baseball, like, just be just because. Cool. Uh, and he and his brother were kind enough to do some of the – some video stuff for us. And oh, so I nice. want to say – uh, thanks for him. We've never outsourced video before. I had a there was another writer who during spring training I was like I mentioned that we had like a YouTube channel 
And he was like, oh, really? And then I showed it to him and he's like, wow, that's incredible that you guys have videographers like doing this stuff for you. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's kind of not. <laughs> uh, but this was the first time that like, yeah, someone someone else did the thing. And so thanks to Derek. I don't know if there's anything else about the Futures game that... I should just ask, Was I mean, it's a weird exercise for you because I can't imagine it moves. I mean, I have not yet listened to the entirety of your podcast with Kylie, so maybe you have answered this question. You probably have. Was there anyone who moved a lot for you? Not, not a lot, a lot. We did recalibrate on a few players and like some of the individual tool stuff. Like you see sure. Joe Adele throw and you're like, okay, so... His arm strength from this time, like it's very specific. Like Joe Adele right. was like sitting 92, 93 as a pitcher in high school and then his arm strength like disappeared and is still not any good. So it's like, okay, so like we should stop hoping that comes back. Right. Like just for his arm, like stuff like that. But like that's not going to move him on the board just because his arm strength is not good. Right. He moved – Grayson Rodriguez's screwball changeup is good. He it's was, cool. It's it's cool and it's good. Yeah. So now, as someone who was, you know, the, his profile appears more complete now that he has been taught and developed in this way. Like it's not just fastball breaking balls. So like he will slide up. Kylie wants to move Nate Pearson up. We're, we have not like dialed in exactly on where these guys are all going to move. Mm-hmm. We need to speak about it at length more than we could like on the podcast. Sure. And do some more sourcing. Kylie is inclined to move Nate Pearson up. While I am not, I'd like to see how his stuff plays. Like I feel like we're being biased by the showcase type environment that we've seen him in. Sure. Uh, this is not the first game like that that we've seen Nate Pearson. Alec Thomas, the D-backs outfielder, his BP was louder than we expected, and he'll move from a 45-plus into the 50 future value tier, oh, uh, like beyond him. the 100. And then Taylor Trammell, the Reds outfielder, will also move down probably from the 60 future value tier, either within that tier or down into like the upper 55s. Was he the one who had the controversial call at home? Yes, that's him. Okay. Yeah, someone who... Like, that's the type of thing that in the moment you wish that your high-speed camera was pointed at a different sure. thing. But I could, I think we you could kind of see just on the regular replay that he was safe. Yeah, he looked pretty safe. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, that's yeah. all. Did you have any thoughts? You were there. Uh, I was there. I ate antipasta. <laughs> How was that? It was pretty good. It was not amazing, but okay. for the context, was 50. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'd- I had a burger, which is rare for me. Like, I don't eat a lot of yeah. beef, but, like, um, it was a 50. Yeah. It's just nice to get to actually see people live. This mm-hmm. year, in terms of, like, lead up to the draft, was unusual for me in terms of how many uh, dudes who ended up going in the first round I saw live, because I'm often busy making sure that Pangrass works and, you know, you – you guys know what you're doing and I'm just sitting there. But this was the first opportunity I had had to see a couple of these dudes. So it was just like nice to actually look at people, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know, as a ostensible Mariners fan, I don't know. I think that Evan White stuff is fun. He's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's another guy where it is just like, yep, feel really good about this. Yeah, like this is we're in the right spot on this guy. Yeah, yeah he's good. Yeah, people had you know like he has he is weird, uh, and people have talked about the defense, and you're like, how horny for first base defense can I really get? Because it's first base, but you're like, this is a of what this is. This is a fun and different kind of thing. So yeah, that, I, that was cool. I know I personally uh, enjoy it. So. <laughs> So, yeah, there were a couple guys who threw really hard. That was neat. I don't know. It was just Do you want to do you want to say your piece more than 200 word piece on your franchise player draft pick? <laughs> I can talk more about my personal cowardice. <laughs> I get very anxious with exercises like this. It is a place where my sense of like imposter syndrome sort of manifests strangely, although there's I think mm. nothing quite controversial. Uh, especially controversial, I should say, about taking Chris Bryant like twenty fourth. Nope, I think that I thought that was yeah. It's a fine. It's a defensible pick. I was a little disappointed that I was not uh, higher in that draft and therefore forced to confront my own cowardice in a more meaningful way. <laughs> but you know, like we'll have by the time this podcast posts, the top half of the draft will have uh, posted at Fangraphs, but. Very few pitchers in a way that is unsurprising. There were a couple of picks that I thought were very aggressive, but I will keep those to myself as a a way of maintaining site cohesion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, Chris Bryant's good at baseball and he's healthy now, so it'll be fine. In my pretend franchise, I'm sure that we can sell a lot of tickets, provided he never takes off his baseball cap. Oh. (laughs) Eh, I don't feel bad. No, it's fine. I think Chris Bryant's fine. As it turns he's, out, he's fine. He's doing fine. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's idolized in an incredible American city. Yeah, he's playing baseball and he's going to make a lot of money doing it. He's fine. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say about Speaking of that? Our sponsor today, <laughs> uh, Roman. <laughs> the shift in branding there is spectacular. What do they? No, there's the hair one too. What's the hair one too? Keeps 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 keeps. For a doll uh, for a dollar a month, you can keeps your hair. <laughs> Megan, I have a lot of thoughts about a lot of advertising thoughts. on MLB TV. <laughs> I do like that uh, Roman has has tried to make the shift from being discreet uh, erectile dysfunction meds sent to your home to men's health more generally. Shaving is <laughs> difficult for me. I get ingrown hairs. <laughs> he gets he gets shaving cream. On his collar. Yeah, no one shaves in full (laughs) uniform. Like, there are a lot of problems with that commercial. (laughs) I have just gotten a message from Dylan Higgins saying, did you start recording at 1 p.m.? Is this an 80-minute episode? Oh, wait. Yeah, did we? uh, Am I in trouble? So I'm going to take that as a sign from Dylan that we should probably be done. We will issue a supplementary podcast where we just rip on MLB TV ads uh, ruthlessly because they are almost all of them bad. And they all happen far too often. We watch them far too regularly. I right. That's why we away. have such detailed opinions about the minutia. Like, because it's just like, oh, I've seen this commercial where this guy spills this juice six hundred times, and we still don't know what kind of juice it is. I'm so, so mad about this. Yeah. What is it? It's too viscous to right. be it's like very... something dairy based. I don't know. We well, <laughs> <laughs> it's very thin juice. Yeah. It's yeah. Thin. Yeah. It's a problem. So. All of that to say, hey, thanks for coming on Fangraphs Audio. And, like, thanks to the people who came and hung out with us in Cleveland. 
you spent money to do that and we still don't quite know why but hopefully uh we were entertaining and you enjoyed the pizza uh kylie didn't like the pizza which he waited to tell me until after i don't know we i guess i had it had enough to drink that i did (laughs) you gotta talk to him you should come back on the the show soon the board is like a living breathing thing uh we talk about empowering the terminator but that might be just what we're doing with the board at this point yeah, people go to the board, go to fangraphs.com slash prospects. I find I found that there are people who like go to the site, know about the site, who are just like, oh, you guys have prospects covered? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, people go to it. It's pretty good. You should go read it. And uh, we will probably have to do a recap of all the prospects who move at the deadline. So maybe we can count on that as a future episode. Oh, yeah. Sure. Because... Uh, we just have the one this year, so presumably it'll be, well, I don't know. It might be not active at all or quite busy. We're going to find out. But uh, hey, thanks for coming on Fangirls Audio. Sure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.